Okay. Uh, this morning we mentioned how important it is to have godly fathers uh, in this world. It may be that you're already into the grandpa stage of life. It may be that you are a dad and you've got little ones at home. It may be that, uh, that you have uh, tremendous memories of a godly father. It may also be, um, you know, the, the world needs great mentors, uh, both uh, male and female. And so it may be that uh, these types of lessons can help us to have an influence on any young person that may uh, come into our lives. This morning we asked the question, uh, how can dads teach respect? How can dads teach respect? And we said uh, in regard to that, that they must insist that everybody in the home be helpers. Uh, They also must uh, teach their children how to properly address uh, other people and greet other people, we said they got to be very consistent, uh, using the Bible to be uh, consistent. They said we must have creative uh, punishment uh, when punishment is necessary, and also we must model that respect if we expect uh, respect to be in the home. Our second question then, as we begin this evening, is how can dads instill trust in the home? How can dads instill trust in the home? And the simple answer to that is by being very generous. By being very generous. Okay. Not in the sense of just lavishing uh, children with gifts. No, not ever that. Uh, nor giving them uh, every, everything that they might want. But rather uh, to give them the things they need. Uh, for example, uh, we want to be generous with time. If we're going to instill trust in the home, we must be generous with time. You might... Uh, look at Mark chapter 3 and verse 14. When, when Jesus called his apostles to be apostles, uh, he had two purposes. First, that they may be with him. And secondly, that he may send them forth to preach. Mark 3 and verse 14. Uh, this, may be, um, this may sound very simplistic, but this is a great goal of dads uh, in the home. First, the children must be with him. And then secondly, he wants to send them forth eventually so that they can be great servants of God. That they themselves can make a great impact in the world. And so, being very generous with time. And dads can do this in a number of ways. But certainly activities are important. Any activity that you can be involved with with your kids that will be a good activity, but also will have a carryover carryover effect that will have a lingering effect, is just excellent. Let me try to explain what I mean by that. Uh, when me and my brother were younger, we played uh, Little League Baseball, and my dad was often the, the coach, and we would have practice or a game, and then, uh, of course, dad was out there and everything was involved. But then when we got home, of course, that activity carried over. We had conversations about how things went and why things didn't go one way and why things did go one, another way. Well, any activity can have, uh, you, can, you can have carryover conversations from yard work, you can have carryover conversations from just games you play uh, together, simple games. Uh, but one of the great activities, of course, is church. Church and Bible class. Okay. Uh, being with your children in church is a great uh, time together but also it ought to have a very positive uh, communication impact 
uh, even after church. You want to you go to church and then you want to talk with your children about what happens at church in a very positive way, uh, what happens at church. I never have understood why parents would be shy about being their children's Bible school teacher or being involved at least in their Bible class as a helper or even just sitting in Bible class with their children. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that and everything good about it. Because you can, you can use that as activity time together. That's time together. But also, that, all, that can carry over into conversations uh, at home about what was discussed at Bible class, the passages that were discussed, how people reacted. It's just a beautiful thing. And so, time. Time. If we want to build trust in the home, then we've got to be generous uh, with time. A second thought is this. If we want to instill trust uh, at home, then uh, we got to be generous with encouragement. Generous with encouragement. A few years ago at Bible Camp, um, one of our counselors stood on the sort of on the front porch of the cafeteria with another young man, and the young man had a very rough life because his father was an alcoholic, and the counselor knew that, and so he stood on the front porch there of the cafeteria. Only 10 minutes, just ask him about how things were going and, and how he was able to come to Bible, Bible camp and how things were going at the church where he goes. And then the counselor did this. After he got home from Bible camp, he sent just a little note, a card, to that young man in the mail. And then several years later, when the young man was basically grown, he saw this counselor and he said, I still got that card and that conversation is so still very precious to me. I appreciate that uh, very much. Be, be generous with encouragement. Hebrews chapter 3, 13 says, we ought to be exhorting one another day by day while it is called today, lest any of us might be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And so when is a good time to encourage our children? Well, now, right now. Notice what the, the passage says there in Hebrews 3.13. While it is today. While it is today. Uh, time is too, too precious. Time, it's like a vapor, James 4.13. It's like a vapor that appears for a little time and vanishes away. When's a good time? Well, uh, all the time is a good time. Uh, how do we know that uh, we, our children need encouragement? Well, if, if they're here and they're walking about among us, they need Encouragement. Think about it this way. The devil wants our children. Okay. Sin is rampant. And the devil is working very hard night and day. He doesn't rest. And so we cannot rest with the encouragement uh, that we give. So we must be generous uh, with encouragement if we're going to instill trust in the home, which is very important. A third thing we can do to instill trust is to give challenges to our children. Jesus was fond of this. He gave the limited commission to the apostles, Matthew 10. Verse 16 in Matthew 10, Jesus said to his apostles, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, uh, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Well, he, He's given challenges. He gave the challenge to, to the 72 uh, over in Luke 10. Uh, he gave the great commission as a challenge to the church. He looked to his apostles in Acts 1 and verse 8, and he said, uh, You shall be my witnesses, uh, beginning here in Jerusalem and then in Judea 
and then in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. You know, most of those apostles were just common men. They were common men. They had not gone far from home. Can you imagine hearing that? You're going to be my witnesses to the uttermost parts of the earth. And, and some of them were able to do uh, just that. But Jesus loved to give challenges. And we, we must give challenges to our children in regard to, to Bible memory work. Uh, children love that. Love that. Challenging them to have you know, 100% attendance at Bible school. Let's, let's, let's shoot for July and in August, let's not miss a Bible class. Let's see how many we can not miss. Let's, just, let's see if we can just make it 100%. Uh, percent. Uh, what about taking notes in church? When children get old enough to take notes, uh, I, want, I want to challenge you to take notes. Take notes of all the songs. Write down the songs that are, that are sung. And write down one thought from the songs that are sung. And then let me see your notes. Challenge them to, to take notes. Challenge them to speak to to those who need a friend at church, those who are either elderly or those who may seem to be lonely, challenge them to speak to those at church who need, who need special uh, encouragement. A lot of challenges that we can give to, to our children. I heard of one um, young man who made a sort of a pact uh, with his Bible class he was teaching. He said, he said let, let us all say right now, it was, it was, it was 13 and 14 year olds, he said, let us all say right now that none of us are ever going to smoke, none of us are ever going to try drugs, and none of us are ever going to say a curse word again. Let's make that pact. And he brought that up every Sunday as long as he was in there. This has a great impact upon children. They love to be challenged. And let us challenge them and, and set goals uh, with them so that they will strive to be godly uh, like our Lord. And then on top of the challenges, of course, would be the rewards. Look, us adults, we don't need to, to think that, that children are the only ones that, that uh, focus on rewards. We do too. We do too. Uh, and God hangs it out there for us. You know, there is that prize of the high calling, Philippians 3.14. And we focus on that a lot. I, I dare say that the most favorite subject discussed at church is heaven. Why? That's going to be our reward. A place where there's no tears, there's no more death, there's no more crying, there, there's no more sickness. That, that's a place we want to, to go to. That is the prize of the high calling. As Paul says in 2 Timothy 4 and verse 8, Therefore, henceforth there is laid up for me that crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give to me at that day, not to me only, but to all those who love his Appearing. Why will we love His appearing? Because His reward is with Him. And so the Lord uses rewards with us and we can use them with our children to, to a great impact. Great impact. I've mentioned this before, but it's such a good suggestion. And it's not just this suggestion, but you can do other things like this. But a dad one year looked at his three daughters who are now well able to read. He said to them, he said, uh, if you'll read the Bible through, all the way through, from Genesis to Revelation this year, I'll give you each $100. And so they went at it. And it wasn't long until all three daughters came to him and said, uh, Dad, uh, don't worry about the money. We love reading the Bible. We're going to finish it. We're already at this spot and the other one's at this spot. We use rewards to get our children involved in spiritual things, and then we have great faith. 
We have great faith after that. Because we know that if an innocent heart gets in touch with God's spiritual things, good things are going to happen. If innocent hearts get in touch with the Word of God, if innocent hearts get in touch with seeing the example of Jesus, when innocent hearts get in touch with the cross, when innocent hearts get in touch with doing good works, we know the Lord can do great things. It's not about focusing on the rewards, but it's about getting our children in touch with the spiritual things and then God will take care of it from then on. One reason I love the movie Polar Express is because of, of Miss Judy. Miss Judy. I'm about Miss Judy's Bible class right here at Midway. Okay. Years ago, when I, don't, I can't remember now which one of our girls was in Miss Judy's class, but she held it out there that if they completed so much work, then the whole class would go see Polar Express one Sunday afternoon. Okay. And so I went. I didn't know anything about it, but boy, I was glad I went. That's just, that's just very wise. And it works because our children love rewards. And we do too. We do too. And then, so we can instill uh, trust in the home, in, in, inside the hearts of our children, by challenging them and then by rewarding uh, them. And also by reminding them that we're here and we do everything for the glory of God. Well, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, 19-23, he says, I do all things for the sake of the gospel. And that's what Paul did. It's not wise, I don't think, that for a child to turn 16 and get a brand new car. But I think eventually a dad helps his children get their first vehicle, whatever it might be. One dad did it this way. After his, turn, after his son was about 19 or 20 years old, he helped his son uh, get a car. And, and on the dash of that car, he, there was a plate there. And on the plate was Matthew 6.33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And he and his son had a conversation about why that plate was there. It was there so the son would always be reminded what life is about. He will always be reminded that all things come from God and that we do all things for the glory of God. And so, how can a dad instill trust in his home? Well, several ways. Be generous with time. Be generous with encouragement. Challenge your children on spiritual matters. Be ready to reward them temporarily and they'll see the eternal benefits and then remind them constantly that we're all here for God. We're all here for God. Okay. The second question tonight in regard to dads is not only how can we instill trust in our homes, but here's the question. The third question is this. How can we create stability how can we create stability? Stability. This is huge uh, for children. For children who have, who have had some, um, some heartbreak, some upheaval, the least little change can really upset them. 
I've heard of parents uh, going into a bedroom and just changing the color of the wall. And the children walk in and they're hugely upset because children crave stability. They really do. Let me give you a personal example. We grew up on Highway 5, going out of Jasper, headed toward Russellville. Highway 5 is our home spot. Just 150 yards to our left, there was a bowling alley. And the owner of that bowling alley eventually built a parking or a shopping center around his bowling alley. In other words, all that structure was coming toward our house. And the older we got, the more we saw it. By the time us kids left home, mom and dad had to sell out and move to another spot in Jasper. But I'll tell you what, where they live now is not home. Still, that spot on Highway 5 is home. Me and my brother have stopped in there just as recently as a couple of years ago just to look around home, to remember where we played, to, to look and see. And instantly the memories come back. The stability is very important. So how can a dad, how can a dad create stability in the home? Well, first, he's got to live out his commitment in marriage. He must live out his commitment in marriage. As the words of Jesus come to our our minds from Matthew uh, 19, where Jesus said, Have you not read that he who made them in in the beginning made them male and female and said, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife. That's commitment. Shall cleave unto his wife. And the two shall be one flesh. That's commitment. And then Jesus goes on to say, What therefore God has joined together, let not man put asunder. That's commitment. It's a sacred covenant. A man, a woman, and God. It's a sacred trust. And it's a sacred honor. Hebrews 13 verse 4 says, Let marriage be had in honor among all. And let the bed be undefiled. For fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. It's a sacred honor. Marriage is. And dads are not only to teach this and tell this in the home, but the children ought to be able to see it lived out before their very eyes. That's God's idea. That's that's God's goal. One of the things I think that helped us, of course... No set of parents thinks they're doing things right as they're doing it. And even now, you know, you're not sure all your decisions. But I think one of the things we did right or have done right or are doing right, I don't know where we're at. Andrew, you tell us where we're at. I don't know what we're doing here, okay? But one of the things I think we did right was we tried to continually have date nights. Date nights. And I, and I think the children were proud that we kept those date nights uh, going. And we, we've used a number of you. And 
for our date nights. And I say that with affection. I don't mean we used to, but we, we knocked on your door, we rang, and you said yes. But Earl and Ellen Richardson, uh, Kay's parents, were, were constantly our, our date night uh, babysitters. And the girls loved, they loved Brother Earl and Helen uh, for the goodies they would get. Earl would let them do anything they wanted to do to him. They, they would dress him up like a woman sometimes. And we'd walk in and there would be Earl in his recliner and he would look. He, oh, he had all this garb on him and they just loved it. I, I think that's one thing that, that, that helps create stability. Definitely living out our marriage commitment is, is huge. It creates that stability. I know not all children have that. Okay? And so that's why we need a lot of mentors and that's why we need brothers and sisters in Christ. But as much as possible... Uh, families need that stability uh, in the home. Another way of creating stability, let me mention this. I believe it was one of our Bible camps. The teacher gave out a questionnaire to his, to his class. And one of the questions was, if there's anything you could change, this is, this is a questionnaire to the children, okay, 12, 13 year old. If there was anything you could change in your home, what would it be? The number one answer was this, that they would stop arguing. That they would stop arguing. It's interesting. Look over with me to Proverbs 17 and verse 1. This is just a sample of what Proverbs says about strife. Proverbs 17, verse 1. Better is a dry morsel where there's quietness than a house full of feasting with strife. Think about that. In other words, better it would be if a house was surviving on on crackers and such like, and there would be peace with God and peace with one another, than to have a continual feasting all the time and there would be strife there. Notice, jump back to Proverbs 15. Very similar. Chapter 15, verse 17. Better is a dinner of herbs, American Standard Version says, where love is, than a stalled ox and hatred therewith. See, I knew herbs weren't good for you. You see what he's saying? It would be better to, to live off of a few berries and crackers where there's love in the home than to have a ox in the stall and continual feasting of all kinds of steak and, and roast. And you see what he says. <clears throat> One little girl came to her brother and said, when is mom and daddy getting a divorce? And the brother said, why would you say that? She said, because I heard them arguing. She just assumed there would be a divorce to follow. 
And so if we want to create stability in the home, we must cut out the strife as much as possible, make it our goal, there'll just be no, no strife. A third thing we can do is to be calm in the storms. To be calm in the storms. We want to create stability in the home. We've got, we got to be calm in the storms. We must lead the example as parents. There, there will be turmoil. There, there will be things that come up. But it's the parents' responsibility to help their children learn how to react to that. Our reaction is, is so key here. If our reaction is one of, of, of stress, then there will be nothing we'll be able to say to convince our children otherwise. Because they will see our reaction and they will not hear our words. Do we want our children to be fretful all the days of their lives? Do we want them reacting in a fretful way every time something comes along? You know we don't want. We want the best life for our children. Our example right here is pretty big. How do we make that happen? Turn with me to Matthew 13 for just one second. Matthew 13. Jesus has given the parable of the sower, very familiar ground to you. He talks about the different kinds of ground the, the seed could fall on, which, of course, the ground represents our hearts. Verse uh, 21, 20 and 21. Jesus says, He that was sown upon the rocky places, this is he that hears the word, and straightway receives the word with joy, Yet, he has no root in himself, but endures for a while, and then when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, straightway he stumbles. How deep the word of God goes into our hearts, into our children's hearts, will determine our reaction to the different turmoils that, that come our way. I know this is much easier said than done. But we must rely upon the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Proverbs 3 verse 5 says. Do not lean upon your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge Him. And He will direct your path. We must forever remember the example of Jesus and all they did to him. And yet, almost, it looked like Jesus' pulse never got any faster. He would look to Judas and say, Judas, what you're going to do, go ahead and do it. When they come to arrest Jesus, he just, he just stepped right up and said, here I am. Here I am. And though they tortured him, yet he relied upon the Lord. He would eventually say from the cross, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And so what we wanted to accomplish today, focusing on dads, is to ask how can dads teach respect? 
How can dads instill trust? How can dads create stability? Respect, trust, and stability. What our world needs, and certainly what our children need as well. Can we assist you with any spiritual need uh, this very night? Is it the case that you're ready to put Jesus on in baptism? This is an invitation not for those who are here physically, not just for those here physically, but if you're listening in and you're thinking about giving the Lord your life, if you believe in the Lord, you also know that He said we must repent and be baptized. And so this evening, whoever is hearing this message, you know, the Lord's arms are open to us. His love is very apparent. He died for our sins. He was raised for our forgiveness. And the Lord is waiting on us to to make that decision. Can we help you in any way? Uh, Please make that known right now as we stand together and as we sing.